Welcome to the DFW Child Podcast, a place for local parents to tell their stories, share mom truths, and dig deeper into real issues, all while celebrating this crazy, challenging, beautiful journey called parenthood. Let's welcome our host, Heather Van Stevers. Hi, I'm Heather Van Stevers, the Creative and Content Director for DFW Child Media Group. Our podcast this week is a supplement to our November DFW Child Magazine feature about medically fragile children. We're speaking to Amanda Lang, a Dallas mom whose six-year-old daughter, Virginia, has Rett syndrome. Rett syndrome is a rare genetic neurological disorder that occurs in one in every 10,000 female births. It leads to severe impairments that affect nearly every aspect of a child's life, the ability to speak, walk, eat, and even breathe easily. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Heather. Um, what, let's start at the beginning. When Virginia was born, what were some of the first indicators that there might be something different about Virginia? So it was pretty quick, which is um, very uncommon for Rett syndrome. Typically, the girls are normal for the first year um, to 18 months before you see anything abnormal. So Virginia's considered um, a little bit different um, in, in that sense. Um, but the first week of birth, because I have another daughter that's 10, um, I noticed immediately that things were different. I knew, you know, being a second time mom, um, what feedings were supposed to go like. And um, breastfeeding was not going well. She kept falling asleep at the breast. And so therefore she was uh, losing weight. Uh, we were very concerned. The doctors were concerned and I kept going back to the lactation nurses and the pediatrician. And, uh, you know, after about a week to 10 days of that, I was sent to a GI, Dr. Michael Russo, who is one of my most favorite people ever. <laughs> he is like an angel. Uh, and I really didn't know what was happening. Uh, I just figured they'd tell me, you know, that maybe breastfeeding wasn't for us and mm -hmm. maybe, um, but at this point we had the, the lactation nurses had said, no, no more breastfeeding. We, this is starting to get dire. You can pump, but we're going to, uh, you know, feed her by bottle. And my husband, uh, was, had postponed, um, some business in New York city, uh, for the birth of our child. And so wasn't, had to leave as soon as she was born to go to trial. And um, so I was home alone with Virginia and trying to fix all these things and work my way through it. And uh, so when we started bottle feeding, she started turning blue. Oh and I kept telling my husband, she's turning blue. I don't know what to do. This is not normal at all. Um, and so by the time we made it to Dr. Russo's office, this was becoming a really scary situation Absolutely. And my husband had come home and he saw it. So I didn't feel crazy. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes as a mom, you feel crazy, like you're overreacting. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so we, I remember checking in and um, there were all these children with feeding tubes and G tubes and G buttons. And I was like, Whoa, where am I? What, this is not what I thought I was here to do. Right. Um, but he talked me through it. We did a swallow study and we were admitted that day um, to get an NG tube, which 
for those of you that don't know what an NG tube is, it's a tube that goes through their nose and into their stomach and they are fed uh, that way. So it's a not permanent solution to the problem. It's not a G button. It's just a very temporary work at it. We're just going to see what's wrong with her swallow, why she's aspirating, why in the swallow study it's showing that she is not able to get the liquids down. Her swallow is just not strong enough into mm-hmm. the right places because therefore uh, it would turn, she could get pneumonia very, very easily. So we don't want that to happen. So it was like no more through the mouth. This is all going through this. So that was the, the kicker. That was what kicked it all off. And from there you're sent uh, feeding therapist, I had nursing care coming to help with the NG tube. And then that led to OT and PT because all therapists can kind of see what's happening in in the the, the trifecta of therapies. Um, And I've never done any of this. So they're telling me, well, you know, she's not lifting her head very well and she's not rolling over and she's not doing this. So that led to one thing after another, and it just cycled through that first year of just, it was one thing after another of of things that we were recognizing that were not correct. And because she couldn't lift her head, we got a great, a cranial helmet, which of course lots of children have, but when she's not able to lift her head or sit up the way that other babies do, it was definitely something she needed. Um, So that, you know, that led us through the first year Mm -hmm. um, of knowing that something wasn't right, which um, led us to genetic testing. Right. And the first time someone tells you that you need to go see a genetic um, doctor is a heartbreaking moment to accept that that's something that you is, is in your path on your path. Right. Um, so we ended our first year with Virginia at a genetics um, at, um, children's hospital in their genetics department. What a, I mean, especially as a new mom, I mean, I always say like the being a first time mom is hard, but becoming a second time mom is just a whole new feeling. Cause there's two of them and you're, you're outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then to go through this as a first time mom, you know, the first year, you're, you have this vision of what that first year is going to be like and to go through what you went through and, and, and have to end your first year with genetic testing. I mean, what did, what did her, what happened after that? What did her path look like after that? So from there, um, we, um, you know, they all, all the genetics doctors go in a room and talk about our symptoms and um, brainstorm on what they think from their uh, knowledge this could be. Um, our insurance would only cover one test at a time. So we were really, you know, saying, okay, we're going to start here and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. But it was a really slow process over the next year to um, weed things out, really. And of course you're hearing really, really scary things right. and you're hearing other things that are like, Oh, okay, well that's not the worst thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have no idea every time they tell you they're going to test for something, what it is, what it looks like. And you can go down a rabbit hole um, online really quickly and, you know, just become paralyzed with fear. Um, right. And sadly you start to wish for some genetic thing that's less awful than another one. Right. Um, And, 
you know, if you had asked me a year before that, if that I would, I would have like broken down if I had even considered that. But you know, you just have to move your way through it. Um, and so, uh, after a year of one test after another after another, um, and them all coming back negative, and you're relieved, but you're also like, okay, well, here we go again. We got to try again. Right. Um, you're you're exhausted, and meanwhile, you're still trying to do all the therapies and get her. To, to be able to do all the things that you want to happen. Um, and with Rett syndrome, it's really a regression. So even though she started regressive, you know, or without these skills, she's gaining but losing all, you know, you, you're going mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, so you're just trying to maintain as much as you can and navigate through what everyone's telling you you need to do when you have no idea what it is you're dealing with yet. So um, at the end of that first year and a lot of ups and downs, my husband's firm changed our insurance to a different provider in hopes that they would cover what is called an XM sequencing test, which is now way more common even five years later Mm -hmm. um, than it was then. Uh, It's a very expensive test, but it tests for a lot, almost everything, you know, at once. So it like hands it to you on a silver platter. Okay, we here it is. And the new insurance company did cover it. So January of her second year of life, we did that test and you have to wait, you know, three months for it to come, three or four months for it to come back. Um, and that's when we, you know, got our diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It was a week before her second birthday. Um, And it was a relief, Mm -hmm. but it was also, you know, a really hard um, thing to swallow. Um, And, but on a positive note this year, um, I think I mentioned it in the article as well, that in the meantime, I was trying to figure out what to do with her for school Mm -hmm. uh, because I work full time and um, I needed a place for her to go. And um, the typical little Episcopal preschool that my other daughter went to was very supportive, but not, you not know. Not proper place for her. No, they just didn't have the skills. And watching her be with typical kids every day and picking her up was devastating um, right. for me as a mom. So um, I had had several therapists recommend the Rise School, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is at the Park Cities Y. And I went... Uh, to tour it. It was at that time I was at St. Luke's Episcopal mm-hmm. and the original campus. And, um, and I knew that that's where she needed to be. I cried the whole time. Yeah. I could give her what she needed. And, um, and it was like a, a miracle because we got our diagnosis. She had her second birthday and we got accepted into the fall uh, semester at RISE. So mm-hmm. I felt like, okay. Right. You have a plan. You have like really, a, really, yeah. Yeah. So that was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And even in those first two years, it sounds like you were constantly having to advocate for her and and push doctors. Okay, so this test didn't work. What about this test? And this, did you ever feel like you had to almost hold the hand of doctors to make sure that Virginia was getting, you know, all the tests that she needed? Do you, do you feel like you're constantly having to advocate for her to get the best care and attention? Absolutely. Um, 
uh, in fact, you know, looking back on that year, one of the things I think I mentioned in the article as well is that uh, I had seen something on the Today Show. My sister-in-law had seen it and called me about Rett syndrome, and I had to call my genetics doctor and say, hey, have we tested for this? This looks a lot like what we're dealing with. And they said, oh, no, no, they couldn't be because that doesn't start. Those, you know, they're normal until, you know, 18 months and or a year. And um, so, no, 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 no. And I was like, you know, and you trust them. They're at UT right. and they're brilliant. Um, so you go, okay, all right, it's not that. Um, and then when I got my diagnosis, they were like, I'm so, so sorry. Um, you know, you did ask us about this and we didn't test for it and we probably should have. And so absolutely. I mean, I think that you, you have to keep asking and asking. And even today still, um, we go to the, um, rec clinic, the bluebird clinic, which is, uh, a, neuro, a special clinic at Texas children's in Houston for neurological, disorders um, and they have a lot of rat girls there there's a lot of research going on there uh, so we go down there and our neurologist is there and every day when I leave you know every appointment that I leave I say all right now Dr. Suter you know tell me when we're going to have a cure tell me what's going on I want to know what you know right um, because you, if you don't ask you know no one's going to tell you um, right so I think um, someone just posted a picture of a t-shirt that said advocate like a mother. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's a real thing. You really have to, otherwise it, you know, no one's going to come fix it for you. Right. Unfortunately, I think that's so something that moms kind of struggle with because we don't want to be pushy and sort of like, Oh, you don't want to be the one who's like, okay, they went to medical school. They know what they're doing, but also, you have to know your gut and you have to know, like, you know, your child better than anybody else. And so I think it's something that I always encourage moms to do is, you know, advocate for your kid. If you feel like something's off, keep pushing until you use get somebody. Yeah. Sure. Use your mom gut, you know, mm -hmm. keep pushing until you get somebody who will listen to you and then, you know, walk through care with them. Right. Absolutely. With. Absolutely. And and, and even I look back on some of the therapists that, you know, tried to tell me and I didn't want to hear. And, you know, um, as a mom, you have to get to the point where you're ready to, to, you know, know what you need to know. And so I appreciate all of those people now so much right. more than I did then right. um, for, for really, you know, telling me what I needed to hear and what I needed to do. Right. So... Absolutely. Um, yeah. With all of her doctors and teachers and physical therapists, do you ever feel like it's sort of like this symphony of people that you're always kind of making sure that they all work together to get Virginia her best care? It's funny that you've asked me that question because I had a, a small meltdown this morning, which is <clears throat> part of why my throat is so strained. Um, because I was at my, uh, we took her to PT at eight this morning and the PTs there, the supervisors there to do the evaluation. And they like to tell me all the other things besides the PT that I need to be doing. Right. And, and I'm already doing all those things. I have a dietitian, I have a feeding therapist, I have teachers, I have 
um, you know, a GI and, and I'm already doing all those things. And then you have PTs telling you, but what about this? And what about this? And you need to do this. And I'm like, you know what? I got it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, But you appreciate that they want to help you. But at the same time, like I can only take so much information from so many people you know, and then you've got friends that are telling you, well, I had a friend that da, 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 da. And, you know, so you have to really filter through what you feel like is what's best for your child and tune out some that aren't and um, hope that they can all work together to Mm -hmm. give Virginia the best care um, that she can get. And as far as school goes, you know, we were so blessed to be at RISE, but you're always trying to stay on top of what Virginia's needs are, are not necessarily the same needs as a child with Down syndrome or, and and at Lakewood, it's, you know, it's not the same as someone with autism. And, you know, you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? And I call Mm -hmm. it Virginia's village for a reason because I do, it it does take a village and I need all of these people. Um, But, um, you know, we all have to, right. You have to make sure everybody's on the same page and yeah. working towards the same goal. Right. Right. So the PT is telling me to tell the aide to put her on the floor more and do this. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and the feeding therapist is telling me to tell the aide to do, you know, and so right. it, it is, it's, it's definitely, um, a web that you have to weave to get everybody to work together for the right um, things for her. And I, and we have been so blessed because every single one of her teachers and therapists is more than amazing with her and loves her so much and wants what's best for her. And so I couldn't ask for more than that. You know, some, there's yeah. some days where I'm like, just love her, just hold her. I, don't, I mean, just like, whatever. right. Right. Just make you her know. feel amazing. And that's what yeah. they do. And safe yeah. and, and all of those things. Yeah, Absolutely. With, you know, I know everybody's been affected by COVID-19, but with a child who's medically fragile, do you have, how have you, how's that affected how, you know, even her therapies and schooling and have you been, had to be especially careful about her being exposed? Absolutely. And um, uh, Richard Engel, who is a correspondent on the Today Show, has a son with Rett syndrome, which is super rare. So he advocates quite a bit for Rett syndrome you know, through NBC, and he did a whole special on all of our special needs kids that are, have struggled through, uh, you know, the quarantine and being careful with medically fragile um, uh, children um, and how they're suffering because they're not getting their therapies and they're not getting to do all the things that uh, they typically would get to do. And, you have, you do have to be really, really careful, um, with them, especially, um, because I think, uh, I mean, Virginia, if she were to get some sort of terrible respiratory, you know, um, effects from COVID, it could, it could be really devastating for her. Mm -hmm. And so we, for the most part have tried to keep her at home. She is back at school, mostly because you have to this balance of like safety and health and, and progression. And you don't want any more regression. A lot of these kids just start to go backwards when they, and they can't, they can't zoom 
teach and Zoom therapy, it's just not the same for them. It's right. It's almost impossible. So we've tried really hard to be careful um, and keep her safe. Um, and I think we've done the best we can without yeah. falling off the face of the planet. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is I um, actually saw the Richard Engel special and it was such an interesting perspective to think, you know, I have a first grader and a three-year-old and it's like, you know, I wanted them, her to go back to school for her social needs, but you, it's even on the special needs spectrum. It's so much, they need that special training that all these teachers and coaches have. And like you said, you can't get that online. You can't get Mm -hmm. that through a camera. It's, it's tacitile. It's, you know, working with the children and moving them and things like that. And it's a lot of training, you know, even parents, as hard as they try, can't give their, their special needs kids that. Right. Right. And, and all of us, I mean, parents trying to do all of this is difficult, right? Like trying to keep your job and trying to, clean the kitchen and, you know, teach your children what they can't get, um, not being in school. Uh, but certainly I think that special needs need it more than ever. And I could tell the day we went back to school, I mean, Virginia just like lit up and she's nonverbal, right? So mm-hmm. she can't tell me that, but you just could see it in her face that being around her peers and her teachers and just getting to explore and, be around communication is really important for her because children can't learn to communicate unless they're exposed to it. Right. Right. So, you know, and, um, uh, someone from girl power to cure said to me one day, like we can keep working on research and research and research and raise money for a cure. But at the end of the day, that could take 15 years. And then you've got, uh, you know, an almost adult teenage adult, who doesn't know how to read, doesn't know how to write. We've not taught them, but we can't just leave. We, we still have to keep teaching them, even if we don't know if they're absorbing all of it or how much of they're absorbing of it. Right. We have to keep trying. And so we don't want to forget them just because, you know. Yeah, there's not a cure today. It's today. One yeah. day they, we, we may have one and they may not, they may wake up and be able to tell you what two plus two is, you right. know, and even if that's all she can tell me, it's important for right. her to tell me that. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you have been very, you've done fundraising for finding a cure and um, the, the fashion show through the rise school and things like that. Mm-hmm. Has there been any sort of advancement as far as finding a cure for rats? Yes. So my husband and I both did a um, relatively small Zoom with uh, Rat Syndrome Research Trust, which is who we, for the most part, uh, try to support um, uh, last week. And there are six different avenues right now that are in place. And, and it's called Cure 360 is their new campaign. We raised $333 million in three years, in the past three years, to get to where we are now. Um, their website is amazing, and it really maps out all the different things that are in the works from genetic therapy to medications to um, there's just all sorts of different ways that it can be approached, and they very clearly uh, graph out for you 
which ones are moving forward faster and getting closer to FDA approval and how, and how close the rest of them are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, there is a lot of stuff in the works and they need another $7 million to move forward with those. Um, And so, and, and sadly, you know, this year we, last year we started the first annual uh, reverse RET uh, event in Dallas, big reverse mm-hmm. for, for the rest of research trust. There's been some other small uh, kind of little grassroots, you know, events here and there, but this was the first big one and community uh, brewery supported us in that event. And we raised quite a, a really significant amount of money for that. But this year, and it was a, a lot of fun and it mm-hmm. was really moving but this year we weren't able to do it because, you know, it's just not time to go to the brewery and drink beer and right. raise money. And so, um, but we plan to do it again next year. I just did a, a Facebook fundraiser. Um, I reached my goal within, within less than 24 hours. Michael's like, your goal was too low. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but it's hard to ask people for money right now. We don't know what yeah. their situation is and, and we don't want to be asking for too much, but it is really important, I think right now, not just for Rett syndrome, but for all of these, you know, genetic di- diagnosis and Rett syndrome just happens to be one that they can, they've been able to really zoom in on exactly what it is, which there's, it's like a, but a small enough population that they can really get in there. And it's like mm-hmm. the perfect syndrome for them to be doing all this research on because it will then grow and grow and grow. And, you know, it's like my, yeah, he explained it to me like an iPhone. He's like, you know, you get your first generation flip phone, then you get your first generation smartphone, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, this is amazing. Couldn't get any better than this. And then it goes, once they find that science, right? it's like going to happen really, really fast. So we just need to, you know, hit it, and then it will go bam, 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 bam. And it won't just be for Rett syndrome. It will be for so many other things. Genetic. Um, yeah, That's genetic. Worse. Yeah, yeah. And then that will lead to, I mean – Right. So it's, it's, you're, it sounds like there's a lot of hope on the horizon. Yeah, it sounds for, like sure. for all of us, right? Yeah. Not just Rett syndrome, but, or even for children, but for everything. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a really good analogy. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the smartphone. So yeah. And now you got to watch, you got to, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, the, the possibilities are endless when it comes to, He's like, you didn't think you'd do everything on this phone, but now you do everything on this phone. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. And I so appreciate it. And thank you you for telling us a little bit about about, uh, Virginia. Well, thank you. And um, uh, I would like to just, again, promote, you know, RSRT, Red Syndrome Research Trust. Um, You can go to their webpage and see. Um, everything that they're doing um, right now and um, and hopefully we'll be able to push through all these other things and, and make Virginia's life a lot easier. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Be sure to follow DFW Child on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the conversation and check out the helpful parenting resources on dfwchild.com. Until next time.